Why do creepypastas spread so easily? Is there really a secret society sourcing codebreakers on Reddit? What's the best way to monetize your local cryptid? Hi, I'm Sigra, host of Tiny Terror. Join me every Thursday as I attempt to answer these questions and more in bite-sized episodes you can fit into your morning commute. We'll sift through unsolved true crime cases, paranormal events, and any and all other things spine-chilling and mind-thrilling. Listen now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are found. See you there. Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of Unethical Podcast. It was in the local papers. Our guest for this episode is Kelly Gustavson, and the case we're going to be discussing today is The Invisible Stalker of Ruth Finley. Welcome to Unethical Podcast. right into it start with a scary topic you guys stalking stalking is scary that's a scary business isn't it oh, yes i've been stalked me Seriously? too <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> yeah lots of men and women men and women are stalked mostly by ex-partners and it's freaky but i think what's even more terrifying than that is the normal people who are triggered like sleeper soldiers when they meet the person that's going to become their prey because they're invisible. They're close and camouflaged and you can lock eyes with them and have no recognition, but behind their eyes, they know what you drive. They know where you vacationed last year. They know what kind of dog helps you feel safe at night. I got chills. Yeah, I'm I'm scared. (laughs) You're creeping me out too, which is, that's creepy. <laughs> no one's ever stalked me though. I doubt it. Your new living room furniture looks great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I did just get new furniture. Uh-oh. <gasps> I know where your cat was hiding. No, I was just, Tally said she knew where my cat was hiding. That was creepy. That creeped me out the most <laughs> out of all of it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but goddamn. Why do you think he survived that whole month? He was with us. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> that was a beautiful episode. I wept. So good. So good. Uh, Did you hear that yeah. one, Kelly? The ending where, where um, what was that? Sharon Lapotka, I think. Uh, Richard's yeah. cat came back at the end. Yeah, just my kids blew in and were like, we found the cat and it's been missing for like a month. That was funny. Or two weeks, I guess. I'm not sure if it was. It could have been Slenderman. It doesn't matter. One of them. Cat shows up at the end. Just all of a sudden, we're in the middle of talking. And, and he goes, what? You found donuts? <laughs> my son scared our cat. And it jumped out the second floor window last night. <laughs> oh, my God. In the windowsill. And he comes downstairs and he's like, did you guys see the cat jump out the window? And we're like, what? <laughs> And I looked out the patio door and there she was on the deck. And I'm like, oh my God, like straight out the window. So oh, wow. yeah, she's okay. She's sleeping right here on the floor oh, next God. to me, but 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just oh needed a break. She just needed a minute. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who burped? Oh, I thought I was muted. So unprofessional, Tally. Oh my God. Hurry. Were you burping while putting on lip gloss, too? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was great. <laughs> I am one classy lady. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Sorry. All right. Let's do this. 48-year-old Ruth Finley lived in Wichita, Kansas with her husband, Ed, who was 50. Their two grown sons had left the nest and they enjoyed a quiet life on a friendly street. Ruth worked for the phone company in their security department and Ed was an accountant. So our story begins in 1977. What is significant about Wichita in 1977? BTK? Oh, good one. I would have never guessed that. Serial killer Dennis Rader, aka BTK, terrorized the city of Wichita and would continue to do so for two decades, killing 10 known victims. And by 1977, Rader had killed seven of them. And despite leaving one survivor already at this point, not even close to on police radar. What is unique about Rader versus many other serial killers? He had victims that ranged in both age and gender. And so literally no one could feel safe during this time. He also had an affinity for letter writing. He enjoyed sending correspondence to media outlets and the police during his reign. And he continued to write letters from prison after his capture. Yeah, poetry. Everybody on the same page. <laughs> he was a dork too. He used to like leave out cereal and be like, uh, it's because I'm a serial killer. Like he's a fucking dork. He is. He's a super <laughs> dork. He's the dorkiest one out of all of them. Yeah. Weird guy. Oh, okay. Small yeah. bush. Small trimmed right to the wood bush. <laughs> he has a trim to make it look bigger bush. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's get back to Ruth. It was June of 1977. Night had fallen and Ruth was alone at her home. Her husband, Ed, had suffered some kind of episode that afternoon. And so he was far away in the hospital undergoing tests and Ruth's phone rang. She answered eagerly because it could have been the hospital. But what she heard was a man on the other end. And he said, is this Ruth Smock from Fort Scott, Kansas? And she confirmed, though her maiden name and prior home were a very distant memory at this point, that it was her. And then the man did something that she never could have expected. He began to read to her aloud from a copy of the October 15th, 1946 edition of the Fort Scott Tribune. Quote, branded on both thighs with a hot flat iron, apparently by a sex maniac, Ruth Smock, 16-year-old Fort Scott High School girl, was resting today at the home of her parents following an attack upon her early last night. Oh, and so. it's Ruth answering the phone, yeah? Mm -hmm. That's right. Same, same, same. So this actually happened to her? When Ruth was 16, a man came into her home and began trying to tear her clothes off. So uh, she managed to fend him off by jamming her thumbs into his eye sockets, 
Good Whoa. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good brave. How you do it? Kick wow. ass, man. Impressive. So brave. Yeah. Most people fucking cower or run, you know? Totally. She was a fighter, this girl. I think I'd go catatonic. I think I'd just freeze. In the 40s, Terrible. you know? Yeah. In the 40s. Yeah, in the okay. 40s when no one would have cared if he just had his way with her. Exactly. Life, so, yeah. yeah. Good for her. Um, so uh, she did manage to fend him off, but by off, I simply mean she made him really mad. And oh. <laughs> he retaliated by not sexually assaulting her. So at least there's that. But he did knock her unconscious, heat a flat iron on the stove, and brand both of her thighs. And told her that he would fix her so that no one would ever look at her again. Oh. I mean, at least that's a that's like an easy pass off. Like, I set my hot curling iron in my lap because I had a lapse in thought. You know what I mean? Like, a flat iron is not a, like curling iron. A flat iron is... Um, when they would iron clothes, it's basically just like a hunk of iron mm-hmm. that you would heat. Yeah. Oh, and then roll, oh. run it over your clothes. So that's what it was. <laughs> so nothing to do. With hair. Hey, you know what? He had that in his hand, and he didn't bash her brains in with it, which he could have because those things weighed a fuck ton. Yeah. Pretty sure they didn't have hair straighteners in the forties. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's what my mom used. Yeah, they laid on the table. Well, okay, gotcha, it. gotcha. Yeah. A clothing iron. Yeah. Okay. So he escaped. He ran off and she reported it to the police. She described him as being a man who was about 50 years old and dressed in dirty overalls. Now it's been 30 years. Could it be on the other end of the phone that there is an 80 year old man? I don't know, but that makes sense why he didn't sexually assault her. Because <laughs> how are you going to get them overalls off, man? <laughs> in a timely manner. <laughs> Just got to do my He's like, oh, snap, fuck this. I can't get the buckle off. These <laughs> goddamn waiters. Kelly's laughing. She's just like, these guys. <laughs> what? He's like, tucked into like rubber boots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've just gone fishing. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was not an 80-year-old man on the line. Sorry. I feel like, yeah, it'd be easy to tell because they sound old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's she doing that, dude? <laughs> you would assume so yes why don't you come over here and give me some sugar <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't like it it was not her attacker the man on the phone told her he was a construction worker who found old newspapers on a site and her story was plastered across them and he said that if she refused to give him money he would expose her story to everyone in her happy little life um I don't really understand how that's a threat, but it was a different time. So perhaps maybe, uh, I don't know why anyone would care. You figure you'd be pumped. Like, yeah, tell everyone. I forgot how awesome I am. Like, get, <laughs> get on the hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I jab that guy's eyes out. And look at these scars. <laughs> I'm sick. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously her husband knew about them because. Well, well. I'm assuming because they were married, he would have seen them, but they might have only done it with the lights off. I don't know. <laughs> they slept in two separate beds at night. Yes. And... <laughs> I don't know. It was in the local paper, uh, so the whole town that she lived in, I guess, knew about it. So yeah, yeah. like her family, yeah, would have known. Yeah, because they print they printed her name. Usually, if people don't want to be known, they yeah, and she was a minor. Yep, I was just going to say, but 40s, 
Okay. They then they would print no. the name and home address of people. Yeah. When you were 16, when you were 16 in the 40s, you were like already a woman. You were ready for like yeah. marriage and get ready. You know what I mean? Married like, with kids at that age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. I maybe it had something to do with her job. Maybe they wouldn't want some tart on the phones. I don't know. Yes. Oh my god. You listen to men, you don't jab out their eyes. This is the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> you did That's what right. to him yeah. young lady you should have let him have his way with you and then make him <laughs> as long as you curtsied i have a, a a weird something to do with this story but sarah was telling me like my wife was telling me that her they're from quebec like their family here her grandpa would have like he would come home and sit down on the the lazy boy and he would do this motion like a peace motion and that would mean for her to like light a cigarette for him and put a cigarette in his hand and they would do this which is like a hook finger motion and that mean get me a coffee and she would come make she'd see it and she'd run get him coffee or he would put his hand out like holding like a cup and she would come bring him like uh, a beer bourbon oh (laughs) wow it's just it's just funny how that's so changed now and that's like her grandma it's not like it's her great 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 grandma you know what i mean it's yeah yeah. yeah, my grandma could tell what my grandpa wanted by which particular minority he was being racist against. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking Mexicans. Oh, he wants a taco. Polish. He hated Polish people. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Polish people. Oh. He used to sit on his lap, and I know that sounds gross, but he was actually a fine dude. There was nothing wrong with him. But uh, he used to sit there and bitch about Polish people, and I'd be like three with like my little green truck. And <laughs> anywho, don't ever don't ever date someone with an SKI at the end of their name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's why I haven't. It's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, she hung up on him because I guess. I don't know either she was scared or she didn't give a damn I'm, i can't tell which she's she's a bad lady so probably she just didn't care she spent three nights alone at her house while her husband was away and he never called her again so her life resumed it was normal pace ed was discharged he was okay it wasn't a heart attack all was well uh until a few months later when an envelope appeared on her desk at work which was the southwestern bell telephone company and inside the envelope was a dick pic. Oh, <laughs> a dick, dick pic. <laughs> Hand drawn in pencil. Like, yeah, the 1940s dick pic. Yeah, it's drawn. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had to draw it, draw it and send it in the mail. Self-portrait. <laughs> and then underneath it said not true, not true to scale. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just like it's just like a silhouette where he just traced his cock and then put it in. <laughs> No nuance, no yeah. shading, just yeah. like a trace. Exactly. And it just says, it, it's, instead it says exactly to scale. <laughs> what if you just like, you get like a two page letter and it's just like two lines on one and you're like, that's weird. You flip to the other and it's the tip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hello. Anyway. Oh, shit. Anyway, so it was the letter, was it? It was, it was a yellow tattered article. Nice. So she shredded it and she threw it away. And the calls started happening again after that. So several calls occurred over the coming months and she would just hang up. She wouldn't talk to them. Occasionally her husband would answer and it would be silence. And, you know, she said he would be like, oh, this is so weird. But she didn't say anything. So suddenly in August, 
So remember the first call happened in June. In August, during a day of routine shopping, a man appeared beside her. And she didn't notice him at first, but he started to talk to her. And she described him as thin in his late 40s with graying black hair. And he knew where she worked. He talked about them taking a trip to Vegas together. And when his prompts were going unanswered, he said in a very nasty tone, I'll see you again. You can count on that. Some people's fantasies are other people's nightmares. Excuse me. That's Uh, very untoward. Yeah, no. uh, Can you imagine? Like, what would you even say to that? Uh, Well, and uh, when I was when I was listening to Celeste, like I had a thought if she was such a fighter, like, why didn't she say anything about the phone calls? But then I was like, oh, yeah, 1940s. Yeah. It's the 70s now, but honestly, not that much changed in that 30s. Yeah, exactly. Same, same. So after the man lashed out at her, uh, he wandered away and he did not reappear, nor did the phone ring for nearly a year. So. It's another unassuming day in downtown Wichita. Ruth is casually walking along the shops and suddenly Fuckface grabs her. And he begins the conversation cordially enough by saying, get back here, you stupid bitch, and talk to me. Whoa. Sorry, she's just walking down the street in the middle of the day and he just grabs her out of nowhere? No, he grabbed her by the wrist. Oh, okay. Like he stopped her. He didn't like snatch her, but yeah. So yeah, so she wriggles free. She's a bad bitch. And uh, she calls her husband. And so she confesses everything that's happened or everything that happened a year ago. Nothing really happened in the past year. So the two went to the police station and they filed a report and this led nowhere. And he didn't contact her again until October of 1978. And it was a letter that he sent this time. Now the letter was an incohesive chain of profanity and threats, but there is a bright side. The letter changed the game for Ruth because there was a man in town with an affinity for letter writing up to no damn good. And so her case was assigned to a police lieutenant. Police Lieutenant Bernie Drowouts. Polish people. Um, (laughs) There it is. R.I.P. Grandpa. Rip. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Bernie <laughs> Drawatsky, Criminal Investigation Division. So the file was on his desk, wasn't really on his mind. Ruth continued to receive letters, which were delivered to Drawatsky, and they were fingerprinted. Um, I can't find if there were no prints found or they just didn't know who they belonged to, but I assume no prints found. So the letters were very strange. Some contained poems, incredibly bizarre poems. And I will prompt you right now, go check out the poems. Now, if you want to, for a little bit of insight into the mind or after, either way, check them out. They're friggin' weird, but they're actually like really entertaining. So uh, others, other letters contained instructions, demands for, again, the article that he's going on about uh, and threats. And okay, so the weird thing about these letters is that a lot of them had completely made up words, total gibberish. And sometimes in the same letter, really complex and rarely used words that were real words. But the spelling and the grammar in all of them was atrocious. It was just bizarre. It was like a genius and an idiot rolled into one. 
That's, that's typically <laughs> just an idiot though. That's like an idiot who thinks they're smart. You know what I mean? Like someone who's actually really dumb, but they try to use big words to try to be smart. But everyone's like, dude, you didn't even like put a noun in that sentence. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, uh... yeah, but this was the seventies. <laughs> that idiot would have had to actually like go to a library. Oh, I guess that's true. Mm, so, or you I have mean... educated parents, you have people around you in your life. <laughs> No, but you have someone in your life. That Mom, uses- what does anti-disestablishmentarianism mean? <laughs> <laughs> just sitting, sitting there with a the thesaurus, like looking at yeah. the word. Yeah, literally, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Very strange. Read them. Seriously, they're crazy. Uh, I'm going to. So the police, because of the poems being the most interesting part, they named him the poet. And the man they were looking for was the poet fucking gross <laughs> it's like looking for edgar Allan poe <laughs> oh, love me some poe man never more mm. yeah i knew a raven named edgar Allan crow <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, lived on a farm i don't think it belonged to anybody but did it tell you its set? name how did you know oh yeah i had a long conversation with him <laughs> I stayed awake on Unisoms, okay? <laughs> I'm going to send you some phone numbers when we're done here. <laughs> 1-800-HELPLINE. <laughs> All right. I know, I tried to call it when I stayed awake on Unisoms. <laughs> what did they say to you? I have no idea. Too busy listening to Edgar Allan Crow. <laughs> yeah, and the trees. Ah, of course. They told me lots of secrets. They're just branching out, trying to make friends. <laughs> that was fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the phone calls continue. Finley's never talk to him. They never say anything. On November 21st, 1978, despite her situation, Ruth was out running errands in downtown Wichita once again. And as she walked down the street, a junk heap of a car stops in front of her. And the same black-haired man jumps out the car, kicks her in the shin. And when she buckled, he stuffed her into the back seat and followed her in. So in the driver's seat, there was a second man. Apparently his name was Buddy. The black-haired man, the poet, I guess. Okay. The poet. Went through Ruth's purse and fingered through her wallet until his naughty little hands found every cent she had and a key to a safety deposit box. But he also found the business card of Lieutenant Drowatsky. And he was mad. Let me tell you, he picked up a piece of concrete that he had on the floor of the car. Construction worker, I guess. Keeps concrete in the car? I don't know. Uh oh. There's a cinder block (laughs) hanging out. It wasn't a cinder block, it was concrete. Just a chunk of it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Weirdo. Hey, he whacks her in the face with it and knocks her. Oh, KO Ruth. So they take her to an abandoned park and quick thinking Ruth says, I got to pee. And the black haired man went with her offering her to show her his, if she showed him hers. (laughs) (laughs) It's Oh, but she's, but she's already seen it. He already sent her the dick pic, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not to scale. Uh, this... <laughs> it's cold out here. <laughs> so Buddy pulls out his wiener to pee. 
And she reached into the purse that she was carrying for some reason and retrieved a can of mace that he didn't notice for some reason and blasted him right in the face. Awesome. They had mace in the 70s? I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they used raid. That was, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It must have been powerful ass mace. You know, everything in the 70s was so much like a microwave. You remember your grandma's microwave? You turn it on for like 30 seconds. It's boiling water. I bet you that mace could blow someone's eye yeah. in the 70s. I bet you it was the most powerful shit Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Gosh, she's so hardcore. I love her. Yeah, yeah she's wow. Awesome for sure. So she takes off into the park and they chased her for a while, but eventually they left. And so she went to a liquor store across the street from the park and she called the police she was picked up there and she met with her detective at the station and so uh at this time the police were becoming more convinced that this was in fact btk targeting and tormenting her personally because there were um new similarities between the letters so they upped their game at this time there's we have an abduction we have letters let's do this let's crack down maybe she's the key to catching this guy let's do it so they investigated the entire park followed up on all vehicles that matched the one she described and she gave them a year a make and a model and a color she gave them everything and they followed up on all of them nada um she was also monitored by officers during the times that she was either away from home or away from the office so out and an additional investigator also went out to fort scott where she was attacked the first time and reinvestigated it there and he was there for a few days and ultimately there were no leads one of the things that they tried was they set up a sting where ruth's case was broadcasted over the local radio And they monitored all calls coming in because BTK was known to interact with the media frequently. But nada again. So in December, uh, her detective also received his first threatening letter. And so the poet is now branching out. One other thing, during the time when Ruth was asleep at night, Ed would stay awake all night, every night, sitting in the backyard with a shotgun in his hands, waiting hoping that the attacker would come. And that's what he said, fantasizing about when he showed up. Oh, Ed. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess with my woman. Sick. So suddenly, July of 1979 passed without a single phone call or a single letter. And by August 13th, Ruth had decided, again, she a bad bitch. She decided that she was ready to continue with her life the stalker had moved on she figured so she headed out one afternoon after work to pick up a pair of jeans for an upcoming trip to colorado that her and her husband were taking and she said she was fine on her own the police had backed off by this time too i mean a month with nothing yeah it's a lot of resource to put into one person if there's not no results getting from it like so she's out on her own in downtown wichita once again and wouldn't you know it, guess who shows up? The poet. Oh, my God. The poet. It was, in fact, the poet. And she didn't even know it. <laughs> didn't even know it. <laughs> yes, he shows up in the parking lot. 
And so our black haired ass hat tries to force her into her vehicle first. And while he did this, he tossed through the partially left open back window for some reason, uh, a paper bag with all the makings of a lovely picnic, some rope, some tape, a bandana and half a bottle of wine. I thought you were being serious. I thought yeah. you were going to be like, there was some sandwiches and some, some chocolate covered strawberries. <laughs> Wait. Dessert wine. Are picnics different in other places? <laughs> <laughs> I usually bring a full bottle of wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. But not. It's yeah. a breach of etiquette. Everything else is the same. You also forgot some opioids. Hey, if he's spoiling you, he'll bring the chloroform. Does chloroform really work? Mm -hmm. uh, for like a for like a minute, it knocks you out for a very very short period of time. It takes heaps longer than it than it does in the movies. They show you in the movies they put it over their mouth and they're out, but it take it actually takes like fifteen to twenty seconds for them to actually like conk out. Okay, that was my next question. So it's, it's it. What was it like? A form of anesthesia from like pre World War One? How good is it going to be? Good to know. I'm going to put that in my notes. <laughs> For future reference. Um, okay. Once again, Ruth the Badass struggles free, as she does. And he pursued her, pulled out an eight-inch knife, and stabbed her three times. Oh, uh, twice no. in the back and once in the side. I was going to say all at once. He's got to be like spider arm man slender man <laughs> spider man uh, spider arm man sounds terrifying though imagine his arms are just all spiders oh my god <laughs> is he is he related to the guy that has a spider for a dick superman, superman. Yeah. <laughs> superman. i just got the visual that's all i went oof all right a woman's being stabbed <laughs> we're being very disrespectful she got stabbed three times in three separate Stabby, stab, stab. So the knife got stuck in her side and it slipped out of his hand. Oh. And that's why she was able to get away from him, um, which apparently is not uncommon because blood uh, is very slippery. Uh, the knife is stuck in her. She manages to jump into the passenger seat of her car, roll up the window as he reached through it and drive away with a glove that he was wearing caught in the window. Wow. So, so she's, she's driving and she stops at the first phone she sees. This was like when pay phones were like around everywhere, right? Yeah. And so she calls her detective and uh, her, or her detective's office. She doesn't talk to him. She talks to like a, a guy and he sends someone to meet her at her house. And so she then drives home and her husband, Ed, drives her to the hospital. So she drives herself home with a knife hanging out of her side. What a hardcore bitch, man. Yeah, I, I love like this, this woman so much. Right? Bad She's bitch. badass. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she spent nine days in the hospital. Wow. And her story was broadcast all over the news. Uh, apparently, the day after she was released, the nurse called the detective and told him that a man matching the description came asking about her. So this guy is getting bold and ballsy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, wait right here. I'll go. I'll uh, get you. Yeah, isn't in hospital have like a bunch of visitors. security? Like, yeah, maybe maybe not then, no, but not in '79. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, 
either way, he wandered off into the abyss for now. So the letters continued (laughs) and throughout the course of the next, I guess this would be about a year, might even be two. uh, She was left a butcher knife wrapped in a bandana at her work. She was sent a bottle of urine, an ice pick, and a jar of actual human shit. Oh my God. And at her house, there were piles of glass and Molotov cocktails. And I don't understand if like there were like made ready to go Molotov cocktails or if somebody actually threw Molotov cocktails at her house. I don't know. They oh, like made her house some would be for, on her fire. for later. Yeah. Her- yeah. Uh, that's weird. Okay. I don't know. I think one of them might have been thrown at the house because a wreath on a window started on fire and broke the window. They were watching TV and then they heard a window break and the wreath window was on fire and Oh, because the glass got hot, you mean? Okay. It's possible. Yeah, totally. So given what was known about BTK at the time, Ed decided he was going to try and contact the attacker in the classifieds. So sure enough, he began seeing responses in the classifieds. The newspaper that he chose had been receiving threatening letters for the past six months. And he figured there was like a good chance that that would be the one that he monitored. And so the police dedicated a huge presence to Ruth. She was accompanied anywhere she went alone by a team of eight undercover officers. She was wired for sound in any areas that would be high risk and no sightings occurred. The letters continued. Sounds could be heard coming from her garage at night. And that was for that that time period. It was just that it was letters and strange sounds. So she has a microphone on her when she is in high risk areas only. You know what I'm picturing since it's the 70s? What? That like super long microphone with just like the itty bitty little <laughs> mic on top. Like prices, right? Or to like the middle of her or like even held by her boobs and bra. <laughs> <laughs> Get her up. That's why the push up was invented to hold those microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can really tuck it in there, you know, and make sure it's all nice and hidden. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, she's um, like the president. Thanks, now. Ruth. She's like the president now. She's got like eight armed guards. Are they armed or are they just people just watching? They're like- undercover officers. Um, they, oh, okay. they were policemen, so I would assume they have guns. Yeah. See, that's a. They must have been so mad at this fucking guy. Like, come on, let's do this. Like, fuck, man. How much time have they put into this lady trying to catch this guy? This guy was like, I don't know. I was saying dumb earlier because he was trying to use big words, but maybe he's pretty smart watching, seeing when it's safe, like smart in a psychotic way, like an evil genius way, but smart, you know? Yeah, which yeah, which no also kidding. lends to, is it BTK? Yeah. <laughs> he was really dumb and, you know, was contacting the police, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he contacted the police himself and didn't really... He like he called the police station and asked them if they could like trace floppy disks. Yeah. And the oh police were God. like, no, we can't do that yet. Like technology is not available. So he was like, all right, well, I'll drop it off tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit busy this afternoon. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't call back and be like, um, I'm just gonna reschedule real quick. <laughs> so when he went to drop it off, the cops just watched him do it. <laughs> So they were like, well, there's our guy. Ugh. Wow. 
PTK is so he's like such the worst serial killer. He's so he gave himself his nickname, and I I don't like that guy. He bugs me so much. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know much about him. He scares yeah. me a lot. That's not your right as a serial killer. It's our right as the people that are watching you do it to give you. Yeah, but we give the nickname. Why do we keep giving them cool names? Yeah, why no, don't we give them dumb names like mini- Micro Dick Raider? You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like Vine will... Torture, be a little bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe you should have just married a hotter wife, and you wouldn't be so crazy. Well, Richard's got a hot wife, and here we are. But he's not going around murdering people. That That's we know my point. of. How do you know? <laughs> I resent all of that. Um... Sorry. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, given what they knew about BTK at the time, him being evasive, almost supported their theory right because btk had been active for several years and hadn't been caught even though he left a, a survivor even though he was constantly interacting with police and and media so i mean you know it just kind of all feeds into the same one big theory that they're all hanging on to here i don't like this i'm just waiting for her to get murdered i don't like how many cops have like that's what i mean i don't like how many cops have been involved in this and they can't find this guy it it's scary that's like terrifying like getting stalked to that extent and the call you still tell the cops they send you like eight people to come watch you and they're like wiring everywhere around and they still can't catch him imagine how scared you'd be i'd be so fucking terrified so it had been two years by this time her case was taken over by captain mike hill who was signed 24-hour detectives to her home and paid them handsome overtime and her gates were rigged with alarm systems and cameras were installed installed either now or earlier i don't know when exactly but at some point yeah that security sounds sounds kind of basic now but imagine in the 70s that must have been so like uh, advanced you know cameras and alarms and everything else so they went all out which is good I'm glad. Yeah, was it just like a home, like a TV studio camera just sitting in a tree? Yeah, it's just a guy <laughs> with one of the big shoulders. <laughs> that was the 24-hour detective. He just sat in the tree with a yeah. studio. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a good job for when you stay awake on Unisoms. I'm game. But as far as I know, there was only one camera left. Uh, and so obviously it didn't like the whole property. Yeah, yeah. 300 suspects later there was still no progress letters were also being sent at this time to dozens of local businesses in connection with ruth he sent a letter to a funeral home telling them that that she would need their services soon he sent a letter to the utility company telling him telling them to cut off her utilities he sent a letter to the dmv saying that she was an erratic driver and needed to have her license suspended and he sent her flowers Oh. Oh. my favorite part about the flowers he would tell the florist like he would give them like five dollars or ten dollars or something and if say if this doesn't cover it just call her and have her come pick them up and she can pay for the rest <laughs> <laughs> I was why like- would she do that yeah i'd be like he's setting me up <laughs> to kidnap yeah. me i'm like i'm not coming to get those flowers no way <laughs> it was the florist all along dun, dun, dun. oh I, I was like what <laughs> <laughs> that was the segue into the the grand finale 
1981, there was a break in the case. Police chief Richard Lemunian had grown tired of the media firestorm and the constant inquiries and the hours of police overtime being shelled out. But he only became personally involved when the media received a letter saying that once Ruth was dead, his wife would be next. And so that day, he took the entire Ruth Finley case home with him, September 4th, 1981. One week later, September 11th, 1981, he called a meeting to announce that he had solved the case. Oh, good. And solved the case he had. Lemonian. Lemonian was scared that Miss Lemonian was going to get fucked up. So he wanted to kill her husband. Not kill her husbands. That was a wrong term. There's a lot of kick ass husbands that are like <laughs> there's a lot of killer husbands too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's not where i was going i was like hold on that's true hit the brakes all right who wants to know who the poet is me 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 oh pick me i'm all the right. one it was btk <gasps> i knew it i'm kidding it wasn't it wasn't oh. BTK. i was gonna say the poetry <laughs> I was going to say the poetry is what gave it away because in prison, BTK wrote a lot of terrible poetry. So uh, it wasn't BTK. No, okay, that's kind of sad. He announced to the room that the poet was none other than <laughs> Ruth Finley. <gasps> and he had seven reasons why. One, all of her attacks occurred without a witness despite being in public places. Two, their house was on a street with a dead end. And despite the necessity to turn around to leave, not one of the officers or any of the neighbors saw a stranger coming or going. And there were never any footprints. Three, the park had only one set of footprints the night that she was kidnapped. And despite being knocked unconscious by a concrete slab, her face didn't have a wound. Four, Ruth didn't call 911 when she was stabbed. She called her detective. She also managed to get out of the car to make the phone call and back into the car to drive home with a knife in her. She could have drove straight to and used her own phone. Yeah, she could have. Didn't think of that. If she'd been stabbed already. Five. (laughs) The officer that took over her case, Captain Hill, he was sent a threatening letter before anyone but the Finleys and the police could have possibly known that he took over the case. Six. As soon as the camera was installed on the property, drops at the house stopped. And seven, when the Finleys were on vacation, the classified section responses stopped and started as soon as they got back. And so the police were very hesitant to accept this news. They were very, they were deeply invested in this, in protecting her. She was charming. She was normal. She was a badass. She baked for them. And they socialized a lot. They'd known each other years now. And she was like BFFs with uh, the Polish cop and his wife. So they followed the orders. They had to. They followed the orders and constant surveillance was placed on the Finleys. And they didn't know about it this time. Sure enough, Ruth was caught several times in the next coming weeks, depositing letters from the poet into the mailbox outside the Eastgate Mall in Wichita. Oh my God. Ed was with her sometimes. They also discovered physical evidence at her office that the letters had been written and prepared to be mailed there. And there was only one more order of business for them to take care of. 
because Ed was at the mail drop sometimes, they needed to find out if he was involved because he could have just assumed she was paying bills because she was. She would drop off a stack of envelopes and most of them were bill payments. So I want to know, what, what do you guys think? Do you think that he was in on it? There's no more twists coming. This, this is it. Oh this is what happens. I don't know. See, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, him sitting out in the backyard with the shotgun never happened. Maybe he just said that that happened, you know, to play in the story. So I don't no, know. He did. I mean, he said he's even when the cops were there, he would still sit out with the shotgun. Oh, okay. I don't think, okay. I don't think he knew so that was substantiated. No, me I don't either. think he knew either. You, uh, okay. It's a lot of it's a lot to take in from someone if it's true, you know. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't involved. Apparently, he passed a polygraph, and no physical evidence was ever tied to him. And he was cleared, despite the concerning fact that he reported answering several of the phone calls, and some of them start with a man saying, "Is this Ruth?" And she would be home. No explanation. Um, the other, the other thing too is who did the nurse see that day? That kind of weighs on my mind. Who came looking for her? Oh, they true. would know if somebody was concerned enough to visit her in the hospital. The police would know. Yeah. So mysteries, unfortunately, that we don't have the answers to. So once they cleared Ed, they searched the house with his permission, and they found evidence. Tons of it linking Ruth to the letters. Uh, the biggest ones were books about poetry and poetry that she had written in personal journals. However, the final police decision in this case was Ruth wasn't involved either. What? Stop it! She was never charged <laughs> with any criminal activity. Not what? a one. A psychiatric evaluation concluded that oh. Ruth was suffering dissociative episodes as a result of childhood trauma, where okay. her neighbor and a family friend would tie her up with a familiar <gasps> symbol in this story, a red bandana, and they would sexually assault her several times over several months when she was three years old. Oh. And in the poems that she wrote in private, as the poet, and in therapy, they revealed a deep self-hatred and a feeling like she was dirty that stemmed from not only the childhood trauma, but the attack and her mother's constant suppression of emotions. Ruth would be punished if she showed emotion. She repressed all feelings. Oh my God. Before we get into it real quick here, the investigation cost $370,000 in 1980 money that would be approximately 1 million us dollars today for our american friends that's probably like uh, uh one and a half million canadian dollars oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're generous with our exchange yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it's a million dollar days <laughs> Oh no, they spent so many dollary <laughs> dose. Uh, it's my favorite new thing. <laughs> okay, four years of investigation during a time where a serial killer was on the loose and the force was supposed to be dedicated to finding him. 
He murdered an entire family in 1974. Children. He tortured women. Million dollars on this investigation. Wow. But the question, of course, now is, was it dissociative? Was it Munchausen? Was it malingering to get out of trouble? No one knows. She spent seven years in intensive therapy, and that was it. She lived to the age of 89 and died May 30th, 2019. She's, she just died recently. Yeah. I still, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on the edge, uh, on the ledge here and say she's still pretty tough in my eyes. And yeah. uh, <laughs> she stabbed herself. I, did she, did cool. she like, yeah, my, that's hardcore. That's super hardcore. Did she actually burn herself as a kid too? Like, did that actually happen in 19? No, that attack happened. That one for sure happened. Okay. I, I still think she's badass. That, doing that to cops is crazy that she would like ring, string them along. I know she didn't do it on purpose, but it's so, uh, a million dollars that could have been used so much better that's crazy you got me with this yes. one i didn't hear about this before this is nuts yeah i've never heard this this case either yeah i feel i i feel like i personally uh, kind of understand what she has gone through i also have some pretty intense stuff that happened to me when i was a kid and it is um definitely worked its way through my life to the point where i have had um times when I have blacked out and I have been a different person and like from just from intense trauma so I can speaking from personal experience I can I can understand and empathize with the the pain and stuff that she would have been in when you uh, and if you don't mind me asking if you don't want me to ask it's fine too but I have a when you said you snapped and like changed it to a different person do you like remember that happening or is it like completely gone do you like blacked out for no I've had episodes where I've bl- I've blacked out and I've done things that I didn't know that I was doing that's, that's scary that's fucking scary yeah it is sorry it's that scary. it doesn't you. happen yeah it doesn't it doesn't happen a lot now it's very very rare now because I ha- I, I understand it and I have a um, yeah. I can tell, I can feel stuff happening in me and I can tell when things are starting to trigger me to get down to that path. So I, I've done millions of hours of therapy and meditation and all of that stuff. So I can, I, I recognize those signs in myself now, but I can imagine back in though, in that time, there probably wouldn't have been a lot of help for that sort of stuff and people wouldn't have really recognized no. it. And it would have just been glossed over as, you know, her being, dramatic she's probably telling the truth about the trauma and the all that stuff because they think like they said they weren't going to charge her if she promised to go to therapy and stuff like that um but i still think that something should have i mean that's a lot of money and a lot a lot of police in a time like when btk was big and was that they took a lot of police to put on her and maybe less on him but i don't know like in the 80s i don't know yeah. how i i think he had stopped then but i'm not sure i mean they still should have been looking for him but he had a hiatus between 1977 and i believe 1984 yeah I, th- I think oh, yeah. that something should have happened. I mean, obviously not jail time or prison time or anything like that, but I don't know something because 
people do that a lot. They, you know, like, oh, I was kidnapped and they actually weren't and then police are out there looking and take time from something else. But I, I know that uh, multiple personality or dissociative disorder, dissociative identity, that's what they call it now, is super rare. And uh, mm. if, she, if she had it, um, I feel bad for her, honestly. Um, but if she's faking it, that's pretty hard to do, I would assume, for uh, a psychiatrist not to know that she's making it up, that she's dissociating, especially when they said that she was doing it when she was, like, doing poetry and stuff like that. I, I do you got to be able to do, there's got to be some sort of repercussion. That's a million dollars worth of like serial killer finding funds. So, uh, but man, to be her, to be like lose time. And she didn't notice she was losing time. That's, that's where it gets to me. Like you were, if you were blacked out, like you don't realize it's Tuesday now, it was Saturday the last time you were paying attention or whatever, you know what I mean? So uh, it's hard. It's a rough one. I say no, because I feel bad for her. I don't think she should have to have anything, but really there should be, but I still say no. I say no too, um, because it was the eighties. Um, so she would have been institutionalized, you yeah. know, cause that's what they did. They just shoved a bunch of people in one room, bed yeah. to bed, to bed, to bed, to bed. And doped them up to their eyeballs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lobotomized, you know, <laughs> whatever they needed to do to get away with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would do. Just to, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure nurses and doctors at that point were, I mean, still underpaid and over, way overworked. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, so. There is a very strong case for malingering here. And the problem is that one, she was incredibly organized, incredibly organized in her execution to not be caught for years and to be in depth and typically psychosis does not present with a great deal of organization and so um many many people believed her to be very cunning very manipulative and very careful um which again is also kind of representative of that overbearing mother and teaching her to have so much self-control over her emotions yeah and so there is a case for that here police chief hill um, maintains or maintained uh, that she is lying and that the only reason that she got away with this was simply because that she had become such a close friend with the police force at this time that they would have accepted anything that made her look like she was still the victim. No one knew. We can't even substantiate that like the police that she was really close with didn't know. I mean, it's possible they were close and they had egg on their face and they knew and they just didn't want to say anything because it would make mm. them look bad. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or if she mm-hmm. had maybe Jurassic, who she was very close to, was maybe now helping her make things go a little bit smoother now that she's under a magnifying glass. There's so many questions here, mm. right? They don't throw around multiple personality too often. You know what I mean? Like there must have been someone yeah. who looked into that. I... Actually, that's not true. Really? Not. That was actually when the research into uh, uh, multiple personality was in its peak. Huh. That was when it was the fad. It was like, do you remember that phase in history when everybody was suddenly having repressed memories come to light that they were involved Mm -hmm. in satanic cults and they were being molested? Yeah. This was around the time that dissociative identity disorder was a fad. Satanic panic. Exactly. Yes. You got it, girl. To this day, actually, most psychiatrists and psychologists and mental health professionals agree that it's, it doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. Huh? Yeah. Uh, So dissociative identity disorder used to be bipolar. 
that they called it bipolar. <laughs> I'm yeah, bipolar yeah. too. So yeah. <laughs> obviously I don't go around thinking I'm, you know, Sue, a little five-year-old girl. Yeah. I have, my highs are normal and my lows are extremely low, <clears throat> which you guys have all, exp- well, sorry, the unethical testicles have all seen now. So <laughs> sorry, I, I got one quick question. Did she stay or her and her husband stay together? Mm-hmm. He stood by her all the way through. That's, that's the that's a hero right there. That's the fucking hero. Uh because that's hard. Go Ed. Yeah, go Ed for sure. That's that's really hard, and especially she's really sick. And then back in those days when we were I know we were joking about it earlier, but there is truth to it, right? Like, fuck that woman. I could get a better one who's not broken. Put her in the institution, you know. So uh I'm oh, uh, this is this is punching me right. This this is punching me right in the heart, man. This is this is real. I didn't realize this episode. I feel like I want to cry. This, this I didn't feel like realize this episode <laughs> oh, was going to okay. be. As, no, it's not bad. Like I don't mind talking about it, but I've got, I've, I've had some pretty intense shit happen in my life, and my wife has stood by me every second, and she's never left me. You know, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, I completely understand. I've been through, I've been through crazy shit too, and. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea who gave me the luck of the draw to find James, but right? <laughs> holy, I've put him through some shit. Like, oh, what have I, <laughs> what did I, what have I ever done to deserve her? You know, yeah. I've done, I've done yeah. some crazy it's very shit. Easy to, yep. It's very easy to put the blame on yourself, but it's not your fault, you know? It's, yeah. And she knows that. She's ever was doing shit to you. So she understands I mean, that, you know, she knows that it's not when those things happen to me, it's not me it's not her christy it's not her wife it's just this this thing and oh i am so grateful to have her and to have people in my life that know me and understand that when things Mm -hmm. are when things are dark that's not who i really am and i mean you guys are like that with me you don't judge me and you love me for who i am and that's why i love doing this with you guys because you know However yeah. I am, Same you time. accept you accept me. And I think that's so important to have those types of people in your life. And the fact that she had Ed is that's how she survived because she had that person holding her up during those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And ultimately, really, in this case, no one got hurt. It's just money that they spent, right? Well, she did. She stabbed herself, I she, guess. Yeah, she yeah. hurt herself. Yeah, she which is even herself. sadder. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess suicide is illegal. So is it self-assault? I don't know. <laughs> yes, kind of. No one got hurt exactly, but BTK was on hiatus at yeah. this time. But yeah. the whole city has still had to be terrified of him because of her. Yeah. Because yeah. they thought that he was there, present, doing. No, no, sure. I totally agree with you as well. Yes, I absolutely agree with you that they're the resources and everything that were being taken up by her really needed to be um, placed elsewhere. And for sure, there she definitely there, there is some responsibility there for that. There's a there's a small um, video clip from when she was on Oprah too on YouTube talking about it, talking about like she think the man that came to her on the street talking to her there was a man. She said that that guy was definitely real, but who knows. But she doesn't remember starting her house on fire or right. stabbing herself and, you know, whatever. Because, like, Oprah's like, how do you stab yourself in the back? And she's like, I don't know. 
the transcript of the actual interrogation is really interesting too because it comes it comes to her head of being like I'm sick I need help over like first she does a Mm -hmm. lot of prodding to see if they know you know because they don't come right out and say it she does like a lot of prodding questioning and responses to see what they know and then all of a sudden she's like yeah I Mm. think I did it I'm sick and then the cop was like it's okay Ruthie it's okay and it was like yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know it sucks because it's a totally reasonable explanation Mm -hmm. if all of her stories of abuse are true but I don't even if if she's capable of this those stories probably aren't true but they explain everything she said up to this point like you know we were talking about um being inspired by creepy things remember when we were talking about that we talked about that on our live thing and like it could just simply be that one day she wrote a poem she was into poetry one day she wrote a poem about a red bandana and she just got really inspired by the red bandana and it like is that the right word inspired consumed let's say she was consumed by it guys thanks so much for listening head on over to our facebook and instagram to join in on the conversations about all things unethical just search unethical podcast you can also find us on patreon where you can get access to all of our super awesome content uncut videos of our discussions and early release of all the episodes we are adding fun stuff all the time so you should definitely come and check it out thanks again we appreciate all of you Shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, shimmy, ya. Baby, I got your money. Hey, dirty.